It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and iniquities and transgressions and shortcomings and those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time that I have now with my brothers and sister in Christ. Lord, that we are able to fellowship together, that we are able, that we're in good health because of you, that we go to and fro, Lord, allowing ourselves to follow you, Lord, and keep you in mind with all that we do, knowing what time we're in, Lord, and knowing the the changes that we're going to have to make in this life as you perfect us, Lord, meaning that we'll be mature, meaning like that we'll be sanctified in taking things out of our lives. Lord, I'm asking that we not utter words that don't come from you. I'm asking, Lord God, that your word brings truth. I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Ghost is here, Lord, to teach us everything that we're going to need and to give us a real filling, Lord, of the Holy Ghost, that we may be more and more every day like Christ. So right now, Lord, I ask that you bind in Jesus' name every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every religious spirit, every spirit of rejection, every spirit of lust, hatred, malice, envy, jealousy, Lord, all things, Lord, contention. I'm asking that you take them all away and let your Holy Ghost reign here and let the Lord God Spirit govern this study. Uh, For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, almighty, righteous, and true, faithful, holy, and just God, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so tonight's study is going to be on sanctification itself being a process. Because I think that a lot of Christians, they like to jump straight over, you know, salvation into believing that this is all that they need. Now, I believe as far as the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, that, you know, we we receive um, faith, well, grace through faith, you know, and, and salvation itself is also a process. Yes, we can accept the gift, but we can also choose to let that gift go. And this is where a lot of church people, you know, they get confused and they misunderstand that, yes, you are saved if you believe in Jesus Christ, but you can walk away at any given point, you know, and there is a process that we must go through, which is called sanctification, meaning that little by little, we will be perfected in Jesus Christ. There might have been sins and things that we were committing beforehand that over time, those sins will start to fall off of you. The Holy Ghost will remove more dirt in your life. Now, yes, you can be a Christian and you can have a filthy mouth, but you can love Jesus with all your heart. But guess what? That's one thing from the world that the Lord will decide to eventually move. All of a sudden, your speech will change. Then there may be your heart towards others. You'll have a heart that's giving. You know, lying might have been something that we do in our spare time, but as time goes on and we recognize what the Lord is calling for us, 
those things will be taken out of our lives. So sanctification is a process a lot of people don't want to go through. A big part of sanctification is dying out to the world, is to let the let you know to not have this world be as important as we really think it is. You know, so in order to serve the Lord properly, we have to overcome three things: the world, the flesh, and the devil. So um, I thought what would best suit our topic tonight would be going into Romans 5, you know, 5 through 8, and, um, you know, really breaking that part apart, you know, breaking those scriptures apart. So we'll get started in uh, Romans 5, verse 1. But I think it's a, you know, misunderstanding that a lot of people have. You know, many lazy Christians will say, well, God did it all. Yes, he did. But you also, it is your will to allow the Holy Ghost to take the will, the wheel, and to yield to the to the will of God. It's His will. It's not our will. Right. But unless we're died out to the world, the flesh, and the devil, we'll always have this fight. And this times, even when you subdue the flesh, it comes right back on you. Right. So that's you know, it's to, uh, sorry. good. But I think that's why the. I mean, glad you said that, but I think it's something that we all can improve on because no one's perfect at it, but it's more fasting, Mm -hmm. more prayer and fasting. And I agree with Sarah. It's kind of ironic that you brought that up because remember I was kind of texting you about Blitz this weekend, Mm -hmm. and uh, I felt like I wasn't engaging in any of that stuff, but I felt like the old stuff coming back. It was drawing you. Oh, yeah. you remember how I used to get so upset over the little stuff? <laughs> yeah. It started to happen again. Right. So, all the other times that I was bouncing or doing security, I was doing really well with it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, or maybe it's just that, that place and that environment, but well, yeah. I think it's, it was cool that you brought that up. What place is that? A Blitz Sports Bar downtown um, on 10th and Cooch. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where you may bounce honestly as security there, you know, um, helping drunks, OLCC license stuff, you know, all that, maintaining alcohol. But over time, it will take advantage of you. It's going to. You know, it will. It's like I've tried it, too. You know, I've tried to be, you know, bouncing and everything and trying to talk to people about Christ. But over time, I felt like, like Jake just said, like something coming back over me. And it was this constant fight. Like, you know, I would listen to people say things, and all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, I know, that's true. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, this isn't me. But why am I engaging in this conversation? Because the Bible says, evil communications corrupt good manners. So, all the time. All right, so we'll start in Romans 5, uh, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope and of glory of God. And not only so, uh, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. This is kind of like what we were talking about with Alan, you know, today when he was saying how sometimes we can have trials and tribulations in our lives. And we think it's a curse from God, but really, you know, oftentimes we're, we, we're in places, you know, like he'll say blitz or you dealing with your issue today, you know, and people coming at you. It's almost like an example to know what not to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like you get that feeling of this is not right for me. This is something that 
I need to separate from. Or you can even say, you know what? Was I really like that at one point? Because thank God he's taking me from it. Not not that the Lord's going to test us or, you know, make us, you know, give us something we can't handle. But it's also to see where our faith is at and where we can change. Right. And a mature Christian is not going to shy away from tribulation. Mm -hmm. A mature Christian understands it's a part of his walk Mm -hmm. over time. Because some people, you know, when they are... You know, going through tribulation, the first thing they do in their immature states is blame God. God, how can you do this? Did God not tell you there's an (laughs) adversary of his walking around seeking whom he may devour? So this is something that we have to be mindful of. And tribulation, we're supposed to rejoice. Why? Because Jesus suffered it too. Remember what Jesus said? Um, I think that's John, the last John, I believe. No. But one of them, he says, um, the devil come, but he has nothing in me. Or, or, or one of the things where he says, I have overcome the world. Right. Well, no, he said, in this world, you shall have, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer because, because I have overcome the world. So if he can, then we're supposed to. Right. But some people think as Christians that, man, I could be in this world, do everything the world does. But I say with my mouth, I believe in Jesus. And that's good enough for me when that's not the case at all. You know, we are supposed to be separated. Now, some people would say, well, how can I live in this world? You can live in this world. You can work. You can do all the things you need to do. But you never buy in. You always keep the mindset, oh, I know where I am and what's going on here. You know, I'm I'm just passing through time. But I'm never going to say, you know, like you find a lot of religious uh, people, too, or um, Christians that have a science degree, you know, they'll say, they'll try and explain, they'll try and use science to explain the scriptures mm-hmm. when it should be the other way around. But they'll try and, you know, have a scientific method that goes outside of God's word, but they'll put their own spin on it, what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, well, this is discovered by many scientists, so I know it's true. As Christians, the word of God is our final authority. So, you know, it's about the tribulation. Well, not all. You know, there are some because God, I believe himself as a scientist. I believe God's a mathematician. I believe God knows a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, you look at the golden ratio, Fibonacci sequence, and that's mathematics in all of creation. So we know that God, you know, obviously had to place those things there. God understands the zodiac signs and stuff like that. We're just not supposed to worship it. We're not supposed to even deal with that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, you know that Satan is not a creator. He didn't create anything. So if he didn't create anything, how did those things get up there? He never had an original idea. Of his right. Life. Man, that knowledge was forbidden, was not supposed to be taught to man, right. because man would worship it and be corrupted by it. So I'm not saying that God is telling us to get into that. No. The Bible says astrology is wrong, that we're not supposed to deal in it. We're not. But I think when we are with the Lord at the end, he will explain all this stuff. This stuff will begin to make sense. Mm-hmm. But I believe Satan's version of it was corrupted. And right. it was only to bring man to be disobedient to God. Yep. All right. So he says, uh, tribulation work of patience, verse 4. And patience, experience. Experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Uh, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we understand here, too, that this is the breakdown. Tribulation. 
you know, you're a battle-tested soldier when you're, when you're suffering trials and tribulation. Yep. You have an understanding here that, you know, okay, I'll be patient because I know God will deliver me. So what do you gain? Faith. Mm -hmm. Then from experience, I mean, patience, you have experience. You understand, man, I don't have to lose my head in this situation. I've been here before. Right. Like a battle-tested soldier, I mean, you know, he's primed and groomed for battle. He's not going to freak out like someone who's never been through it. Okay, and they say, you know, then comes hope, then you won't be ashamed. Of course you have hope in God. He's proved himself too many times to you. So this is the walk as far as maturing as a Christian. Uh, verse uh, 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man uh, will one die. Yet peradventure, like, you know, perhaps, you know, whatever. Um, for a good man... Uh, some would even dare to die. So they're saying, man, look at the heart of Jesus Christ here where he's dying for the godly and the ungodly. Where you got some people who wouldn't even die for someone that was good. You know, it's rare you would even find someone that would risk their lives for someone that's good. Right. But he's doing it for the ungodly. <laughs> so that tells you the heart of God. Uh, eight. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, for if when uh, we were enemies, were we reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So in other words, you know, even before that time, you know, we weren't. Even when we were enemies of God, when we were living in the world, doing the worldly things, that God was still there for us. Now, imagine being justified by actually doing what he's calling you to do now, believing. What blessings will come from that? If he was faithful even to an unfaithful people, what would he do for the faithful? That's pretty much what Paul is saying here. Um, Eleven. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, like his uh, sacrifice. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, you know, we inherited our sin nature from Adam. There's nothing that we can do about it now, except, but only except the um, the antidote, which is Jesus Christ. You know, so you're born a sinner. You're born into this world in iniquity. You know, it's in your genetics. It's who you are. Even in an innocent child, no one has to teach a child to do bad. Think about it. You find children are naturally selfish. Yeah. You know, they'll be playing with one thing, leave it and go do something else. You'll see another child come, pick it up, and that kid runs back, mine. You weren't paying attention to it all day. <laughs> But now you want it because someone else wants to play with it. Yeah. So that's a part of our genes. You know, the, our, our nature. Uh, where are we? 12? Are we, uh, no, 13, I think. Okay, 13. Yeah. For until the Lord, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed like, you know, um, anyone was charged by it when there was no law. Okay, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him 
uh, that was to come. We're just talking about basically through Adam, sin ended into the world. Jesus Christ is that solution. He came to set it all right. Mm -hmm. He put Adam on the cross. 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, I mean, yeah, and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, have Christ hath abounded unto many. So as effective as Adam was in sinning and death just coming into the world, you know, us not having a chance. I mean, he destroyed everything. This guy messed up, okay, that even the law couldn't perfect us because of what Adam did. Now, Jesus Christ is coming along with just as great an impact, if not greater, because he's fixing everything, even for generations to come. So it's kind of how, like, through one man, death entered. Through another man, life comes. Right. You know, so he's setting it all right. So where are we, 16? And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So, you know, <laughs> Adam's mistake again, you know, what he did, you know, sin came in. But by one man's gift, you know, by Jesus Christ doing what he did, there were many offenses behind this that he fixed. Right. You know, so his work would be that much greater than Adam's. Mm -hmm. Where Adam made one mistake and blew everything, Jesus came upon many mistakes and cleaned them all, you know, restored them. 17. For by one man's um, offense, death reigned by one, uh, much more... Uh, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So we've just talking about that. Mm -hmm. 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So Paul is stressing this point because he's saying that this is how much greater Jesus was. It was almost like one man spilled and this thing just flowed out. Right. Now imagine being, it's easy to pour something and just to make a mess. But think about the mess that someone who's innocent walked into and had to clean it all up. Wouldn't his work be greater? Mm -hmm. Is it easier to just spill something, just make a mess? You can take Kool-Aid and just shh. But think about how fast it'll be for someone, how long would it take for someone to clean all this up? So he came into a mess and set it straight. Right. Oh, where are we, 19 or 20? Nobody ever appreciates the janitors. Nope. That's true. We were oh. just talking about that, too. Like, thank God for them, because everybody, you know, doctors, lawyers, Nothing this, this, and this. Right, but thank God for the people that thought that it was important to clean up. Yeah. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. He's right. I'm yeah. Uh, 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Look at that. Moreover, the law entered uh, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It's true. Because, you know, there you were caught sinning after you were told, guess what? We can't, like, let you slide for this. This has got to be dealt with to be made right. But grace itself, as we learn in Titus 2, it's a teacher. Without grace, none of us would make it. Right. We would have all been dead. 
you know, because the only people that were keeping the law back then were people who weren't caught. Yeah. Trust me. I mean, unless it was like Moses or Elijah, but man, people were getting, you know, if you got caught, that was it. You were finished. Okay. Um, am I at 21 or 20, yeah. 21? Okay. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ, our Lord. So if anybody has anything to add, you can. If not, we can go to um, Romans 6. Everybody good? All right. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, what part of this I don't understand people don't get? Mm -hmm. He's saying, okay, if grace is that great and through grace, everything is going to be fixed in Christ. You know, but he's saying, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That means that, you know, there's an act that needs to be cleaned up eventually, right. at least before you expire. You know, this is the sanctification process. Uh, sh um, how shall we uh, that were dead to sin live any longer therein? Exactly. If you're, if you're a Christian, a mature Christian, and you are sanctified unto the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost sanctifies you, sin don't live in you anymore. Quick example. There's only one thing that I can really say in my life that I love this example was my language. You know, I don't know if Mikkel knew me at the time then, but Sarah probably knew. Jake definitely knew. But, I mean, I had a foul mouth. I mean, I cursed with everything I said, whatever was going on. Then there came a point, you know, the Lord gave me a consciousness of, my, of the cursing because I had learned that the word profanity came from the word profane, which means that which makes a temple dirty. So if what's coming out of me is in me, then I'm dirty, regardless of how much I'm saying that I'm good. So with that being said, you know, I would curse, you know, people. It was a common language for me. You know, I probably curse more than I said regular words. You know, and I'm not gloating. I'm just being, you know, up front. But when the Lord took that from me, you know, little by little, I would go through most of a day. And I'm like, okay, I went through the whole day without saying a curse. And then someone else would call, oh, bleep that. And now I'm like, oh, I got to start all over again. So then there came a point where I wasn't saying it at all, but then I thought I was over it until someone cursed at me or I got angry. Then the words flew right back out. Now, I feel like you can call me what you want. It doesn't exist in me. Right. That was a part of the Holy Ghost that had taken that from my life. Because I wanted to change it. Yes, the Holy Ghost took it from me. But it was because he made me more conscious of what I was doing. That I wanted to please the Lord. I wanted to stop. All sins can be achieved this way. Don't let anybody kid you in thinking, oh, well, we're just sinful people. We are. But if you give the will to the Holy Ghost, he will make those changes in your life. Absolutely. So this is what Paul is addressing. Absolutely. So true. All right. Um, verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. This is another part people miss. No one wants to carry their cross. Their cross. Oh, Jesus did it all. Yes, he did. But did you know that you would have to follow him? When Jesus said the ruler of this world come and he has nothing in me, because Jesus couldn't be bribed. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't care about TV. He didn't care about money. You know, Jesus did the will of the Father, and that's why, how can you even work with a man like that? Can you bribe someone who's honest? Think about it. How can you get through to that person? Exactly. 
Okay. Like, all right, let me see. Because I, I think they like clothes, so I'll give them a card to Macy's. It's, no, no, thank you. I'm good. So if you can't corrupt a person, you know, I mean, it's like nothing you can do with them. This is why Satan hated Jesus so much. I mean, it wasn't the only reason, but he could not get to him. That gave Jesus more power in the spirit because he wasn't dealing with the world, the flesh, and the devil. He was tempted of every sin like us, but he stopped. All right, um, verse 4. Uh, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up uh, from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Not to these church people. They believe, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ because I said so. But there's nothing in my nature that says so. But that's okay because I confessed it. What did Jesus say? There are many in this world that will profess my name or profess me, but their hearts are far from me. You are not like Christ. You only know that by your mouth. And this is why a lot of people hate church people. I get it. Because, you know, you find a lot of people that never even met a Christian that acted like one. Right. You know, it's rare. You'll find like the mix of the church and the world are almost the same today. Absolutely. You know, and there should be some separation. That's that's the only definition of a saint or holiness. Not that we're holy beings, but Jesus said, well, the Lord said, be ye holy for I am holy. Means there's a process. What does holy mean? Separated unto God. You're going to be identified different than you are with the world. Like you talked about before, Mikhail said about bringing people truth. People laugh. Good. That's what the world will do to you. Why? Because you're bringing this, which is far into the world. The world mind can't grasp a spiritual mind. It just doesn't go together. All right. So uh, let's see. Newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, (laughs) we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Remember what Paul said about those who are dead in Christ. This is what he's talking about. Um, Six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin uh, might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. You see, so you can't have one without accepting the other. Right. You know, it's like if you believed and there's certain things that we're just going to stop doing. And those things that we can't, we pray to the Lord for. Yep. The Holy Ghost can clean anything up. You know, nothing is too impossible for God. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us to give him the will. Absolutely. But you first have to hate what you're doing. You have to recognize, okay, these words are true. So if these words are true... I need to stop what I'm doing. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you give the wheel to the Holy Ghost and little by little, he'll take it from your life. And this is coming from a starch sinner. I mean, you know, the the things that I did in my life, the things that the Lord has taken from me, and there's things that he's continuing to take from me. Mm -hmm. Little things that I think I've conquered. Oh, no. Yeah, you might have got that part, but you forgot about this. So each year or each time, He's got to, you know, you've got to improve. And that's all the Lord wants is improvement. Right. He's not saying you've got to get it overnight. Right. He's not saying you've got to be perfect. So that's all I'm saying. And, you know, as far as dying out to the world, it's just like you can go down to the morgue right now, you know, and you can talk to them, those people in there dead about politics. They will not answer you. 
You can slap the body. You can kick the body. You can do whatever you want. You can shove gold in his face and say, hey, man, this is yours. But when you're dead to the world, you are dead to the world. This is an example. You know, of course, you're not really dead. But this is the process that the Holy Ghost takes from us. But eventually, that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. What's that? I said eventually, that's how it should be. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's a process. This is sanctification. Uh, nine. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no, hath no more dominion over him. That's right. He took the keys of death and hell, you know, and the grave. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome God. Verse 10. For in that he died... He died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's right. So he only had one death, and now, you know, we're just passing through. We're living to live again. It's that simple. 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Basically saying, hey, this is the will of the Father. You know, we're only supposed to be alive to the will of the Father. The Lord doesn't mind you having fun, having family and things like that. He doesn't mind that stuff. But like I said, you cannot buy in. We can't buy in. You have to have a conscious awareness of God. Mm -hmm. Because some people say, well, I like to listen to music. And that's good. But the point is, what kind of music are you listening to? Right. What kind of videos are you watching? What's right. going on? So there's always this spirit of discernment where the Lord, the Holy Ghost, will get to your conscience. Hey, I know you hear that cursing, because I do. I'm sitting right here next to you, you know? And you're like, yeah, no. Yeah, change the channel or whatever, but... You know. I don't know. There's there's uh, some music, I guess if you can call it that. Mm -hmm. They scream so loud together, I can't understand a word they're saying. <laughs> they could it's be true. cursing. They might not say a curse word at all. That's true. you hard to tell what you're hearing today. You're going to say something? Or not? It's true. Uh, thirteen or twelve. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it uh, in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as in as <laughs> instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and um, oh, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So. You know, to here, you have to want to do this. That's what it sounds like to me. You have to recognize God is right. He's not going to violate your free will. The Lord will not take you away from your friends. If this is what you enjoy, enjoy it. But I'm telling you the right way to go. Right. So he's not going to take you away from anything that you like. He's not that kind of God. He can tell you the truth. If you choose to ignore it, then that's on you. But if he take he takes something from you, you have to have that willingness to say, okay, Lord, you're right. I'm going to give this up. Because then the question is, you know, the Lord is just like a husband or wife, you know. Hey, who do you love, that more or me? Right. You know, remember he said, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. You know, so it's like, man, his jealousy is righteous. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you love me, but you ain't give me a call today. You haven't even sent me a text. You know, you haven't talked to me. You know, God can get jealous too. Think about it. If he loves you that much, can he, isn't he not, I mean, if he can give you a spirit, you know, to feel unappreciated and unwanted, if those things come from God, then if he placed that in you, not the unwanted feelings, but the feeling of knowing when 
you're not being fulfilled, then cannot the Most High have the same emotions? Absolutely. You know, he created you, so why should he not have these things? Mm -hmm. And all, on, all emotions of rejection and stuff mm -hmm. like that don't come from the Lord. But what I'm saying is we all know what it is to be done wrong. We all know what it is to have someone stab us in the back. So imagine what the Lord feels who's never done you wrong, who's been faithful to you no matter what you've done to him. How many times we broke his heart? Every day. Think about it. So that's all I'm saying. Been, you know, and this is stuff that I've experienced. You know, the Lord is constantly faithful to me. But it's like, even though I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm not a, 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 an Israelite, not by, you know, but, not, I mean, yeah. by the adoption, but uh, he does stuff for me all the time, proves himself to me. But just like the, the stubborn... Lord forgive me, I shouldn't use that word, but just like the children of Israel, I still have times of doubt. You know, like, is he going to provide for me? Is he going to do things in that? And then all of a sudden I hear a voice come over, why are you even worried about this stuff? Have I not proven myself to you over and over again? Right. And you still? Didn't so, I, go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt. Uh, no. Didn't you and I kind of have a conversation text recently about how many people are you probably even going to be saved? Oh, yeah. And I, I actually spread that with people. Mm -hmm. And that was an awesome question because Mikkel said, you know, if Satan deceived uh, one-third of the angels, then how many people down here is he going to deceive? How many are going to be saved? That was the question. Right. Hey, I'm with him on that because yeah. angels are not easy to deceive. Right. They're spiritual beings that were up there that knew the Lord. So if he had the power to do that, I think, like I told Mikkel, I think it's going to be maybe a 10%. Right. And, that, and Mikkel said, that may even be high. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? He might be right. It may be 1%. You know, Jesus said, few there be that find the way. So you know that these big places can't be correct. No. These large institutions, that's not possible. All these mega churches. Right. I mean, but that's why we just, we have to keep moving forward in the Lord because... The world has, like you're saying, it has to be purged out of us constantly. It has to be purged That's out right. of us. That's you right. Know? That's right. And see, at one point, they were screaming. Moses was screaming, Pharaoh, let my people go. Mm -hmm. But now that, you know, people have been freed into a greater form of slavery that they love. See, the devil was smart. He gave you a slavery that you would enjoy. Mm -hmm. Now it's like people let Pharaoh go. <laughs> you know, Pharaoh's trying to kick them out. <laughs> And they're just hanging on to him for dear life. You know, it's, so that change needs to be made. Oh, yeah. Okay, where am I? Yeah, but all those people actually got to see all the powers. That's true. We don't. And well, we could, not, yeah. Well, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just in a different sense. But. You're right. And that's why Jesus said, greater is he that believeth without seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's greater in us now, but we get to see God for real. The Israelites couldn't talk to God. Only Moses could. You know, at that point, the Day of Atonement and all, the high priest, Aaron, or whomever walked into the most holy place. But now we get to go on our knees before the Lord and speak to the Almighty directly. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Satan made this world way too fun. See, Satan is no, he's no dummy. I mean, this guy said, I'm going to make this world as entertaining as it can possibly be. And this is why people won't worship the real holidays or the real holy days. They'll go after the false ones. Why? They're fun. See, it's about me. It's not about God. Right. 
All the other ones are about God. It's about your fellowship or relationship with him. See, Christmas don't provide you with that. Nope. Halloween don't provide you with that. All these other days are about, man, the way I feel deep inside. You know, I get presents and I feel good giving things to people. And, you know, like the nice tree and you're sitting there smiling at the idol you made. And, man, every day should be like Christmas. And now it's getting to the Christmas spirit. What about the spirit of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's the Christmas spirit. You see how they soak that in there? Yeah, Christmas spirit in October. Yeah, exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Should be around them with Christ. But yeah. Uh, where are we? Verse uh, 14. 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So sin can't have dominion over you if you don't want it to, right. because, you know, grace is that time period to get things right. Mm -hmm. You know, the law was a death sentence if you messed up. Uh, six, uh, 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. I mean, Paul can't say it any better. Right. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... Uh, her servants or his servants uh, ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness so if you sin you are the servant of sin mm -hmm. now it doesn't mean that you don't fall and you repent and the Lord will just you know take care of you of course he would but you have to recognize you're wrong repent of the sin keep moving forward if you stumble right. and fall again repent the Lord will pick you up make you stronger each time Okay, but what Paul is speaking of here is willful sin. Right. Knowing that it's wrong. Knowing, but you know what? I don't really care. You know, I can do this because we're under grace. So I got all the time in the world to make it right. You know, God can close that door at any time. Some people think that it's, oh, well, it's unto judgment. You got that much time. Well, you know, Romans 1 said that people became reprobate because God gave them over to it. So God could have been trying to constantly get to these people, and these people don't want it. There can be a point where the Lord can say, hey, you know what, if this is the sin you want, hey, then by all means do so. So you can be given over. And, I'm, and, and you know, if I say that, then some people would say, oh, you're a legalist. You're saying God doesn't forgive. That's not what I'm saying at all. God hopes and wants us all to repent and come to truth. But what I'm saying is, we should never take for granted, I have up until I die to make this right. Because you can't come before the Lord unless the Father himself draws you. The fact that we're all here learning about the Lord, that we're all here trying to follow the Lord, it is the grace of the Father that sent the Holy Ghost to go get you. There are no coincidences in being saved. You're saved because that's the way that God wanted it. God came for you. There was something in you where he said he was ready. You know, let's go. But the point is, is we could have all refused. Could we not? Yeah. We could have all said, well, yeah, that's cool, but I believe in my way. So if you would excuse me. And you have that right. You have a right to go to hell. You have a right to not accept Christ. Then no one can take that from you. Mm -hmm. I don't you know? understand why anybody would want that. Well, some people, they play around. And I think that's why... Willful sin is far more dangerous than ignorance. You know, the Bible even says, matter of fact, let's go there real quick. Let's go to Acts 17 real quick. Just, um, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say 
I mean, I know some people, I've known some people that want to go to hell that actually said so, but <laughs> some people just have their own, let's just say, their spiritual beliefs, and, mm-hmm. and they believe in the end that they're just going to have their own different kind of reward. Right. But we just haven't. They just haven't accepted Christ either because they don't want to, or just because they just haven't had the opportunity to learn. Yeah, some yeah. people have, but at there's, the there's end of so it, there's so many variables. That that's just true. To say somebody wants to go to hell, but I think that the Lord won't be held accountable for anyone that does. I yeah. think because I mean I even know through my experience, people that have come to me in the Lord, and at the time I'm like I know Jesus. See, the worst kind of Christian is the religious one because I didn't know him. I knew church. I knew what people told me. But the thing was is that I um, I didn't know him, but I believed that I did until the Lord had to pretty much knock me off my high horse to show me, you don't have me or you wouldn't be in this what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So it took, you know, the Lord coming to me for me to, to give me grace and understanding to come to him. But the Lord tries with people. I think that some people, they just, you know, I don't want this for whatever reason it is. But in the end, the Lord will never be held accountable because he'll turn back to all those people he sent to us. Hey, the Lord, uh, Acts uh, 17. But um, the Lord will tell us, you know, hey, look at all these people I brought to you. You didn't want me. Now, time's up. I'm not going to hold back the universe for your sake. You know, I mean, so he gives us grace. It even says here, which Paul says, that even when we sinned, the Lord was still with us. Mm -hmm. You know, but Acts 17, we'll start at the 29th verse. You know what, matter of fact, let's start at 26. Verse 26. Acts 17 and 26. You there? Yep. Right there, okay. 25 might be better. Let's see. That's true. Yeah, let's look at that. Let's go up 24. <laughs> I'm looking at this right here. But it says, um, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though uh, he needed anything. Um, seeing he, he giveth uh, to to all life and breathe to all things and breath to all things 26 and have made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should uh, seek the Lord if happily uh, they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. See, almost no excuse. 28, these are the ones that really nail it in. 28, 29, and 30. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then that, I mean, as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art of man's device. So this is separating the Lord totally from the heathen rituals. You know, that they believe in these idols. But look at 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at 
but now command of all men everywhere to repent. Mm -hmm. So, um, and well, let's go to 31. Because he hath appointed a day in, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man uh, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. So that tells you there that there are, there are periods where when we were in the world, the Lord winked at your ignorance. Why? He saw the beginning from the end. He even might have known that when you came to him, you were still a babe. Okay, you're messing up. You're making mistakes. All right, you're showing a little improvement here. That's all okay. That's okay. Because I know, and I'm not, he's, he doesn't excuse it, but he understands that you're progressing in him. But when we decide to just say, as a mature Christian that knows the truth, man, I'm not doing anyway because this is the way I'm feeling. Bad mistake. The Lord may not work with you again. And I'm not saying that that's what he will do. The Lord will take these things out of us and give us a desire to follow him if we let him. So I'm not going against the Lord, you know, saying like he won't forgive. Our God is a forgiving God, but he's winking at it. But now he's calling to repentance. So we, we might have felt regret and remorse in the past. You know, okay, those things are good, but come on, keep striving. You know, you're going to get better. Keep going. But to just say, you know what? I ain't doing this anymore. I'm done. You know, the Lord is like, hey, I'm calling you to repentance now. This is no time to back out of it. Okay? And and that's why if you go to Hebrews 6, it talks about, well, we'll, we'll cover that. But let's go uh, back to Acts, I mean Romans. And we'll um, go to verse 6. But if anyone has any questions or anything to add, you know, let's discuss it. Because that's what it's about. You know, if anyone disagrees, I mean, God is a forgiving God. He says, if you confess your sins before him, he's faithful and just to forgive. Okay, so I'm not saying God is not a God of forgiveness. Yes, he is. You know, and he's forgiven me more times than I know that I deserved. I mean, how many times I promised the Lord I'd never do something, went back and did it, went back and did it again, did it again and again and again. But you know what? I can say today that those sins that he was forgiving me of, they don't have that control over my life right now. But there's still more sins, and I'm not talking about, you know, a lot of stuff. Anyone can draw their own conclusion of what they think. Um, you know, our point is not to prove what we've done or what we're doing. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is the Lord is still taking those sins out of my life. Right. There are things that you might not even consider sin, that he's moving out of your life. Like, you know, Derek, I know you crack jokes and you might tell a tall tale. Well, guess what? It was a tall tale yesterday. It's a lie today. Tell the story right like it is or don't tell it at all. Matter of fact, I don't even want you talking about that anymore because it's got nothing to do with me. See, so this is what I mean by changes being made. It's not like it's a death sentence, but we should never play God too cheap. As if he's like, yeah, he's cool, you know, but I'm not really worried about it. Let's not play with him, you know. He is almighty God. Like fish stories, Exactly. Lie, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, some people, why should you have to fear your Lord? Well, the Bible says, fear he who can place you in heaven or hell, right. not who can kill the body. So we are supposed to have a fear towards him. He doesn't want you terrified, but he wants you understanding, hey, I love you, but don't play with me. It's just like a child with a parent. You first learn that that parent means business, then comes the friendship and relationship. 
So you can't have one before the other. What happens when a parent takes a child as a friend before there's discipline? I mean, you know, you've all seen it. Disrespect. You know, the child doesn't have any respect for authority at that point. All right, so where are we? <laughs> Romans 6, I believe it's uh, 17. Yeah. Okay. But God, uh, be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. So you obey from the heart. The reason why we take these words and they become, you know, lively to us, we believe. You know, and the Lord says, hey, if you do this, you know, all liars and this will have their part in the lake of fire. When you read this, you have an understanding like, yeah, I believe this. So you know what? I'm going to do my best every day to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just that recognizing, you know, from your heart. 18. Believing then, uh, made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So you're just the opposite of you're not. 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members uh, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So it begins in what? Obedience, righteousness, and holiness. Holiness, you don't just become holy overnight. You, the holiness starts with obedience. Then comes the righteousness, you know, and, and then then comes the holiness. But some Christians have already built in their mind, I can never be holy. God is holy, absolutely. But if the Lord says to be holy for he is holy, then that means that we have the capacity to be holy. Yep. If we yield our members to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost fills you and governs your life, you will be holy. That's a promise from God. Uh, 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know, and it's a lot of sin. Think about it. You don't think your nature has changed? Let somebody bring up some dirty sin you did last year or a few years back. And, and knowing that that's not you anymore, you cringe. You don't even want to remember it. You ever see when people come up to you, hey... Remember that dirty sin? You Remember when you were with those girls that time and all this in your life? And you're like, yeah, man. Yeah, I remember. But um, anyway, uh, back to what we were talking about. Why? Because if you think of that today, your nature is so different that you're repulsed by it. You can't even believe that that was you. You don't even want to remember it. So this is what Paul is saying, that you're now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right. So if, you know, any questions, anybody want to add anything? If not, we'll go to Romans 7. I just think it's funny how they used one verse, Romans 623 and they skip the rest of them yeah yeah I mean you know Paul is saying here yes we're under grace yes we serve a loving and and righteous and almighty God but you know that's not a license to sin this is all he's saying 
He's not, oh, you sin, you die. He's not saying that. He's saying the wages of sin are death, meaning that you're not going to get in. Jesus says in John 3, we must be born again. Paul says you put off the old man and take on the new man. So there's going to be transformation. I still have a long way to go in my life, believe me. But the point is, is I'm striving to go that way. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to yield myself to the Holy Ghost every day for something new that he might make me aware of that I need to change. It's that simple. This is all done in relationship. This isn't just, all right, I got to do this or else. No, relationship. You want to please God when you have a relationship with him. I just, uh, the track when the church I was going to when we would go on soul winning on Wednesday nights, Romans 6.23 was part of the Romans road, as, as they called it, mm-hmm. to salvation. And, um, but what I mean is, is that they they just take one verse out of an entire chapter and mm-hmm. use that instead of looking. There's all these other verses and, you know, all these other things that we have to do, but they decide to just pick one verse mm-hmm. out of the chapter. So it's like, hey, Yes, we understand that the wages of sin is death, and yes, it is a free gift, but like you're saying, you can give it back. He is yeah. not going to violate your free will. Right. These are the things that they're not telling people when they go out. They just say, here's the track, read it. And, and the once saved, always saved crowd feels like if you tell them, you know, um, well, if they read in Ephesians that our lives are predestined, mm-hmm. they think that that means that you have no choice in the matter whatsoever. Right. God chose me, and that's it. So I can do anything. I'm saved no matter what I do. That's a lie from hell. Okay? you are That predestination means, you know, there's a reservation with your name on it. Are you coming to the party, the marriage supper, or are you not? Right. And you have to have on a robe of righteousness. It's that simple. But some people would feel like, oh, no, well, it means predestined. I can't do anything. That's not what it means. It means that, hey, your life is predestined. If you come my way, I'm already telling you what your mansion is going to be in heaven. I'm already letting you know what the what good things that I've stored up for you. This is predestination. So they're not talking about, that's why it's predestination. Where's your destination going to be? You know, hey, he's got a place for you in heaven. He's got a place for you in hell. It's up to you. You know, so that's what predestination they're talking about. It doesn't mean no matter what I do, I know the Lord will never, ever throw me into hell. Why? Because he loves me. Hmm. You believe that if you want. He's telling us what we need to do. Or there's the other side of that where people will say, well, because it's predestinated, you know, God already knows who's going in and who's not going in. So I have no control over it. You know, or they just say, I probably won't make it in. And they choose not to. There's nothing in life that runs that way. There are consequences and there are, you know, gifts for every little thing that we do. I can't go and kill people and then say, well, I ain't going to jail. So I'm not even worried about it. You know, I don't have any problems. Yeah, okay, believe that. So why is it that we expect God to be unjust? Because God's just justice is to throw us all in jail. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in hell. It's mercy. That, that we obtain, you know, the love of God and his mercy is why we don't. And that's why they talk about mercy and they talk about uh, grace. Grace is getting something that you, um, wait, wait a minute. Mercy is getting something that you don't deserve. 
I mean, no, mercy is getting something that you do deserve. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. You know, but either one of those, I mean, hey, it can get you in trouble. So, all right, um, we have to yield to these things in the Lord and uh, be right. Uh, Romans 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her of her husband. So this is a you know parable Paul is making pretty much to tell you that this is what the Lord is expecting under the law of verse 3. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So you can only be married to the Lord by grace. You can't be married to the Lord by law. That's impossible. Because the law says that you have to be this, 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 and this. Where grace gives you that, that time to build a further, a, a bigger relationship. Right. You can't build a relationship in legalism. Think about that. Nope. You know, that's conditional. Well, I mean, the Lord has his conditions, too, as far as grace is concerned, but grace is the period to get it right. You know, the law is, you know, well, I love you, but yeah, you got to first do this, 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 and this. You know, you can't be married. I mean, there's no marriage that would even work that way. But it's all about that relationship. So if you are, you know, dead to sin, then the Lord doesn't bother you. Think about it. If you're riding down the street and police are coming... They're about to arrest someone for speeding, and you're going in a speed limit. You know they're not coming after you. But if you have been speeding, aren't you now like, uh -oh. oh, man, let me slow down. You should see like on 84 <laughs> when the uh, police, I think Sarah was taking me to work one day, yeah. and the police uh, pulled up. I mean, and everybody was like fast and furious, cutting in front of one another and everything. They looked like they were trying to drift. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> Um, SUV showed up. You had everybody like chickens following the mother hen. I mean, in order. I mean, they slowed down almost to a standstill, and everybody's going, you know, like, what happened to everybody's manners now? Everybody's being good. But if you were normally going like that or with the speed limit, you wouldn't care that that cop was there. Right. But knowing that you're going over, this is kind of like the example. If you're a sinner, then you worry about the law. If you're not sinning, then the law doesn't apply to you. So it's that simple. Exactly. I, I just hate it when they are going to speed them and all of a sudden they still like to break 10, 15 under. <laughs> That's true. I just think if I was a cop, I'd give them a ticket for going too slow. Oh, yeah. You can get one, I believe, if you're yeah. going too slow. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a worse. You can actually cause more accidents from going too fast. Right. Or road rage. Get all the elderly off the highway. Everything would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh Let's see. Uh, five, right? We've well, got to get rid of the 16-year-olds off the highway, too. <laughs> yeah, they're the crazy ones. Uh, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins 
which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Why? Because if you think about it, think about how, you know, it's like that um, tree of knowledge and good and evil. You know, there's this sin is alluring. I mean, if you're told that you can't touch something, your carnal physical mind will tell you, I should just touch it once. Haven't you seen that with children? Mm -hmm. You tell a child, don't go over to that plug and stick your finger in there. And the child will, you know, get ready to do it. And you'll say, hey, don't do that. And they do it, smack their hand, they stop. What do they do next time? They're looking at you to touch it again. So it's like they get that allure. There's something about the flesh that's alluring Mm -hmm. to sin. You know, I mean, something about sin that's alluring to the flesh. Disobedience. So this is what he's speaking of. Uh, Let's see, verse 6. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, and we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So the letter was basically like the Old Testament laws and things like that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You can have relationship. The spirit of God is the rhema, you know, the spoken word. Where, you know, the Lord can tell you things instead of the letter which tells you, hey, if you're doing this, you know what the penalty is. So, you know, it's funny how the Lord used um, the letter and he used the spirit to free that woman that was caught in the act of adultery. You know, look at how he used the letter to go against the letter carriers. Remember, they wanted to stone that woman so bad they wanted to throw, you know, they couldn't wait. And uh, Jesus, you know, basically wrote something in the sand, probably who they were with the night before. But, you know, the only two things that were written by the finger of God was the Ten Commandments and then Jesus's finger in the dirt. So is it possible? And this is only a theory. Is it possible that he also wrote the Ten Commandments in the ground and said, "Okay, whoever's first, go on. Mm -hmm. But you see, they prefer grace. As opposed to the letter. Why? Because it was applying to them. Okay, he that is without sin, cast the first stone, please. You know, because if you stone her, you know who's next. And they all dropped their stones and walked away. But then he showed grace and mercy to the woman and said, go and sin no more. So what does that mean? He didn't say, you know, you're innocent. Don't worry about it. Just try not to get caught, you know. Or, hey, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. These people can be mean. No. He gave grace and mercy. He gave the letter back to the letter carriers. Right. But then he gave mercy to the sinner. You know? So without that mercy, that woman would have been stoned. Right. But then, because they stoned her, well, he was the only one standing there without sin. So he would have been the last man standing. Okay, who's next? Come on, let's go. You see, so when the Lord, it's it's not a fun thing to have when it's facing you. Exactly. You know, you want that mercy and that grace. That's why Paul says the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth life in Corinthians. So never pray for justice. That's right. <laughs> Great point. You never pray for justice because, I mean, you're on that long line of people that did wrong and that should get what's coming to them. So we want mercy. Want justice? I guess we'll start with you. Exactly. So, all right, well, we'll let you know how it went. But, yeah, get in line. That's why it's like when you pray for your enemies, you don't pray that the Lord 
does something to them, you pray for them that the Lord will change them. Right, because whenever you wrong, they can pray the same prayer. Yeah. You know, so we got to, you know, grace and mercy is much better. Verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I have not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the Lord uh, had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, uh, sin was dead. So, you know, what he's saying here again is that when you really look at this and they talk about the law, the law wasn't necessarily bad. The Lord had reasons for why he said everything he did. See, and, and this is why if you explain this in a way to people, they'll think you're being a legalist seeking the law mm -hmm. when that's not really the case. The thing is, is what you're saying is the Lord is now giving you the spirit to keep the law. And what are the two laws Jesus said? You know, love your God, your Lord, your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you have that, you complete the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. But I do believe when the Lord said you shouldn't have blood in your food, there was a reason. I do believe when the Lord said that a man should not lie with a beast like he lies with a woman, you know, um, I believe that there was a reason for that. Mm -hmm. So these are things everybody wants to throw away the law. But, okay, let's throw away the law and do what we want with mercy. And we're committing some of the things that the law spoke against. You're in error big time. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at that disgusting stuff that we would be in if we were not following the Lord. Yeah. You know, so what, what the Spirit of the Lord has given us is the ability to follow the law under grace. Right. Not the law that was written in Moses' time with the stoning, but the Bible says, thou shalt not kill. If you love your neighbor, you won't kill. That's why Jesus explained it best. You know, those two commandments, he says, in um, Matthew uh, 22, mm -hmm. he said, Hang all the law and the prophets on loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, loving your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two things that work. Yep. Because if you do those, you complete the ten. There's nothing else to worry about. You know, so that's what the Lord said. But anyway, verse 9. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what gives power to sin? The law. What gives rid of the sin? The grace and mercy of the Spirit, following the Lord. Um, uh, 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, now that was awesome what he said in 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. You know, like in other words, to be alive in Christ is to be dead to the world, mm -hmm. to be dead to yourself, to be dead to the, you know, the, the flesh. So this is what he's talking about. Verse 11, for sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. Wherefore, the, whole, the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin that it might appear sin, working death in me uh, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So if you're, you know, <laughs> the thing is, is like in legalism, you have no edges. Everything has to be just. 
That's one thing that the law was. It was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but it was also just. Like Mikkel said, don't pray for justice. He's right. But this is a quick way to, you know, have it turned on you and be exceeding sinful. Why? Because you have no chance to make it right under the law. You know, you're caught doing it, you're killed. Mercy and grace helps you to overcome that in the Lord. I don't know if I'm making sense or making everybody more confused. But no, it does make sense. If anybody has anything to add, they can. I mean, you know. Because, uh, like you said, with the law, you know, if you were caught, that was it. You were stoned for... There's no chance to make it right under the law. Yeah. You can't go to a judge after you kill five people and say, well, I'm really sorry. You know, I was having a bad day. And, and you know what? I found Jesus. And, you know, if you can just let me go, because I understand yeah. it's wrong now. The judge will slam the gavel 20 years and walk away, you know. So, you know, that's justice. So, anyway, um, where are we? Uh, 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. In other words, you're almost like a prisoner to your own sin. The reason why they couldn't keep the law in those days is because the law was spiritual. It was. And they were fleshly carnal right out of Egypt. They didn't have the Holy Ghost, so they couldn't keep the the law. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the nature. You get what I'm saying? So that's why uh, Paul says in Galatians, the Lord was a schoolmaster. Why? To bring us to Christ. That's all it was. But it was never the end-all, be-all and by everything that we did. We now do things because we don't want to. Mm-hmm. Where at before, we couldn't do things that we wanted to do. Things that we didn't, I mean, that we wanted to do, we didn't understand. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that nature. All we saw was the two tablets. If you break them, you pay a heavy price for it. But, you know, it's just like the children of Israel. The Lord, you know, um, he, let, he took them out of Egypt. He did that for them. When they took the land and the promise, he did that through them. Okay? It took their will. It took willing vessels to make this happen. Now, look at the children of Israel, you know, um, for the law. He did that for them. But you see, he replaced that stony, um, those, those two tablets, and he placed them in your heart. So now he's doing it through you. Right. Now the Holy Ghost lives in you. God is in you. So he changes your nature to where you can obey. Where at that point, it was just a schoolmaster. You had to do what you were told. And if you didn't, there was a penalty for it. Right. Does that make sense? Or you have any questions? No. Oh, okay. That's right. like the, what is it? I quoted, through Christ I can do all things. That's right. Strengthen me. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, and Paul, he said he's subject to his sin. You know, that that I hate. I do. We've all had an apple out of that bag. Oh, yeah. You know, 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that that it is good. Right. The law would be legal and binding and just if you're committing sin. <laughs> if you're not, then it doesn't apply to you. Mm-hmm. That's all he's saying. 17. Now then, it is no more that I do it but sin that dwelleth in me. So these are depths of your sin. It's in you now. It's a part of your nature. For I know that in me, 
uh, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present yeah for to will is present uh, with me but how to perform that which i which is good i find not why because your nature is messed up so he's explaining what the law was like as opposed to grace and having the holy ghost you couldn't you know be right because it wasn't in your nature I was 19 for the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not that I do now if I do that I would not it is no more that I do it but sin that dwelleth in me that's a lot yeah no it's kind of like throwing it back and forth but he's saying you're a servant of sin see and this is why you go through different levels of you know the four types of demonic oppression the first is um, depression, and then there's obsession, and then there's oppression, and then there's um, possession, because now the sin has got you. Now, possession, it would take a Christian something big to get that deep. That means demons residing in your spirit. Right. Okay, when demons reside in your soul, that's oppression. Obsession is demons residing in your flesh. And then there's depression where demons are outside influencing you. So depression can be dealt with. Yeah. You know, you can pray and work that out. Obsession, yeah, I took a bite, but man, this is kind of good. Let me get some more. So you got the sin. You're hanging on to the sin. Oppression comes. Now you're, man, I, I want to stop, but now this thing has got me. And possession is pretty much ownership. You know, and I don't believe a Christian can be possessed unless they really forsake God. But oppression, yes, you can be a slave to your sin. You do it so much, now you can't stop. Now the sin has got you. So Paul is talking about here different levels of, of dealing with that. So it's depression, obsession, oppression, and possession. Three are in the body, the other is outside the body. One resides in the flesh. The other resides in the in the soul, and the last one, possession, resides in the spirit. Twenty one, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Absolutely, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh uh, the law of sin. So only through the spirit you serve the mind of God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it's about the flesh, the soul, and the spirit. Okay, the soul is neither good nor bad. The spirit is the place that we worship God. That's the most holy place. Okay, and then you have the flesh that is warring against it. So this is what Paul talking about, this other thing, warring against his members. Both of these two places are tugging on the soul. Why? The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you start giving life to the flesh, the flesh will start pulling you back in the world, right. back into the things that have nothing to do with God. When the spirit is in you, man, you want to listen to spiritual music. You like to read your Bible more. You have this, this nature to want to fast and pray. Yeah. You know, your conscience even, you know, governs you. 
Because you, man, what am I doing? Lord, forgive me. But when you when you got the flesh ruling, and I'll tell you what, if you don't stay in the spirit leading the soul, that flesh will come back and start pulling it back the other way. So this is the eternal fight that we have in sanctification. Go ahead, sir. I was going to say that um, when you're more in the spirit, and I actually find this more when I have done a comparison. And I've noticed, you know, of course, we women, we have more emotions than men do. That's just, you know, That's part of sure. our, you know, programming. Yes, you admit it. But um, <laughs> I find that when I fast, I'm not as emotional. Not nearly as emotional as when I don't fast. And you, I, I mean, you, you find yourself wanting to talk to the Lord more during the day, especially like when nobody's around. And it's just, you know, like mm -hmm. in the mornings when I go to work before the stores open. You know, I find myself just wanting to talk to the Lord even more. That's right. And the thing is, is that, you know, because your emotions are being governed by your spirit. Right. That's why anytime your spirit man starts waking up, man, the flesh will try and fight hard to get it back into the, the yeah. flesh is only responsible for the here and now. That's why when you speak spiritually, people don't get you. Why? They love the world. Mm -hmm. It's about the world. See, when you start talking Jesus Christ and his righteousness, see, Jesus is a, is a world changer. He ends things. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the, the talk of Jesus and, and the word of God is the, the talk of eternity. It's not about the here and now. It transcends time and space. Right. So that's why when people, you bring up Jesus, people get mad at you. Because the spirit of Antichrist is really about confining you to this world. Mm -hmm. You start talking Jesus. It's not so much they hate Jesus. It's more to do with, well, if I agree with that, then I can't have any stock in my good job that I went to school for. That means that money is not as big an issue. Well, I love the world. I don't want to talk about the end times. This is what I love. Mm -hmm. So the fight is really in the flesh. To go against Christ. Now, you know that's that's Antichrist. But the point is, is that I found people that have told me, I want to come to Christ, but I can't stop doing this. Right. This is what I want. And that's why people get mad at you. Start talking about Jesus Christ and... Because I don't want to be made conscious of my sin. Yeah. I don't want to change. I like who I am. Can't we just all get along and just live good and just not have to talk about the end times? So people love the world. And when you love the world, you will automatically be the enemy of God. You want to say something? Or? Oh, I'm yeah. going to ask, uh, yeah. if you don't mind, how often do you fast? Uh, honestly, if you don't mind, I'd rather just... No, I, I, <laughs> I don't... Well, I fast about um, maybe once or twice a week. I mean, I've been on a long fast, but then I've also... Um, you know, there's times I've gone a few weeks or whatever, but it's whatever agreement you make with the Lord, whatever you decide to do concerning that. But it's usually sun up to sundown. Sometimes you don't eat so many like pleasant foods or whatever, you know. But it's whatever agreement you make with the Lord. Right. You know, it could be no food, it could be no water, or anything like that, you know, until sundown. But um, for me, it's at least once a week. You know, I try to, you know, but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I understand what point you're coming from with it, but, you know, they want to know about fasting. I mean, we can tell them that. We don't have to tell them, like, you know, when we're fasting. Right. But we can okay. tell someone, because okay. a fast is supposed to be 
kind of private concerning. No, that's what I'm trying to get at. Not okay. it's not so much it's right. basically. Right, but that's why oh, I wanted to answer oh, his question. I'm glad you. Okay, I'm right. sorry. Because I knew where he was going yeah. with it. No, you know? it's, yeah, I'm pretty much the same. You know, a couple of times a week, two or three times a okay. week, and I try and go. I'm really wanting to go longer with it, like a week. You know, because to me that's like a really long fast. But. Uh, you know, again, it's just, it's whatever the Lord calls you to do, really. Even in little things, when yeah. you start to fast, it's like, man, you can feel like you're, I don't even know how to explain it, but you start, like, you can think of someone and they'll call right away. Now, some people will say, well, everybody's done that, but no, there's a there's this awareness that you start to develop. Yeah. And I mean, there's things that you begin to perceive mm -hmm. that you know are trying to get outside of your physical carnal mind. Mm -hmm. There's a calm that comes over you. There's things that happen. And I mean, you start to become more God conscious. Why? Even if the flesh subdues 10%, that's still a little more room for the spirit to work in. <laughs> right. You know, so it doesn't have to be incredibly long, but Jesus fasted for 40 days. That number, you know, for birth, for transformation, yeah. that's what he decided to do. He had to destroy that flesh before beginning his ministry or the flesh would have kept fighting him. But that's why he said, the devil's got nothing in me. I've crucified my flesh. Mm -hmm. So I can go forward and do what I need to do now because this isn't my enemy anymore. But that didn't mean after that 40 days that it wouldn't come back. Right. That's just what Jesus did to begin his ministry. Jesus always fasted and prayed. See, people don't know that. Every morning he'd be up in the mountains, you know, praying before starting the day or whatever he was doing. So he had always connected with the Father. You know, it wasn't just a one-time thing because it will go away. Your yeah. power will start to decrease. You know, your your spiritual power if you're not giving yourself a steady diet of prayer and fasting. You know, and fasting can just be not watching TV for a while. Yeah, fasting can be food. Fasting can be, you know, uh, you know what? I'm not gonna use my phone for all week. Man. You know, I just want to get closer to the Lord. Didn't you feel closer to the Lord without your phone? I really did. <laughs> You've been out without yours for a while until you got it. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll go to Romans 8. Verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's that simple. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, have made me free from the law of sin and death. So this is what brought the transformation, the spirit. Verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? The Holy Ghost is present. It could not be done before this point. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'll read that again. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, you know, we have to seek spiritual things to remain in the Spirit. Right. But we still struggle with our carnal minds, you know, our fleshly minds, and we'll occasionally go back to the world. This is what the Lord wants to subdue. Not that you can't be in this world, but not of this world. You know, it's like never buying in. Right. You're in the world, yeah. 
You want to talk politics? You know what? I don't really care who wins. I'm for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. See, a carnal mind can't identify with that. Mm -hmm. You know, a fleshly mind will watch a, a football game and go crazy. But a, car, a, a spiritual mind, you might look at it. But, you know, you might, oh, man, they lost. But it has no bearing on you. It doesn't control you. You know, or you try and tell people about the Lord and people want to fight you on that. Man, I don't even have the strength to prove what I'm saying. Hey, I told you. I'm not going to contend with you. Now, you might be, yeah, but I just feel like it's really nice. All right, well, anyway, uh, you take care. Um, I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. You know, and that person may, there are people that even thought that they won some arguments. And, you know, you just don't have the strength to continue. I told you. Now, what am I supposed to do? Fight you on it? I'm done. Because what this world will try and do and what people will do, they want to pull you into the here and now. Right. Why? So you cannot be thinking in eternity. So you won't be thinking in the spirit. This is something that happens. You going to say something, Jake, or no? Oh, okay. All right. Um, five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. That means you think about it. When they say mind the things, you think of fleshly things. You have a fleshly mind. You can't tell some of these people, man, Jesus Christ has got it, man. You'd be okay. Man, I'm suffering right now. I need help now. That's a carnal mind. They don't even understand what you're saying. Why? No relationship with Jesus Christ, not spiritually minded. They can only perceive what they see with their five senses. Anything outside of that is not real to them. Mm -hmm. All right, so six. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it's pretty much saying that a carnal mind can't even follow God. You know how many people sitting in church have not been born again? I'm talking pastors. You know how many pastors are carnally minded, riding in, in their Rolls Royces to church and all this other stuff, telling people about all these other things that don't even have anything to do with God? Yep. So, right. So you are the enemy. It's the enemy of God to be carnally minded. And that's why they say, without faith, you can't please God, because real faith believes in God. Real faith is, man, the Lord's got this. I'm not worried about it. And you proclaim victory in the name of Jesus. A carnal mind? Ain't possible. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd be, hey, go and fight Goliath, man. The Lord told you to. Yeah, but look, he's nine feet tall. And I, I think I'm only, what, maybe six feet and 170 pounds, and he's probably four or 500 pounds. See, that's a carnal mind. Spiritual mind says, first of all, I don't care if I'm the size of an ant. I'm going in this war because I know the Lord is fighting with me. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Yeah. You know, it's not your, it's not you and your physical means. It's the strength of the Lord. Exactly. You want to say something? Oh, okay. No. Oh. Uh, verse 7. No, wait a minute. Uh, verse 9. No, verse 8. <laughs> so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, that, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. 
And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. So that even tells you there. You're either a servant of sin or you're a servant of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, you can be a servant of Christ and, like I said, working your way to the truth. But, see, you don't want to be half-filled. You want to be fully filled, and we're going to address that in a minute where it's going to say why. But uh, 10, oh, it's 11, right? Mm -hmm. But if the spirit in him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, which is the Holy Ghost, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So if you believe in the Lord, the Holy Ghost will keep you from falling. If you yield yourself to the Spirit of God and you walk in the Spirit, the Lord will take care of you. That's how you stay from sin. So you would have to try real hard to mess this up. Right. But your nature would have to change. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it's going to be, you know, trials and tribulations, struggling. But you'll get it right if you stay in the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not acting like I, I do all the time. So I'm speaking of myself That's as right. I'm sitting here saying this. Uh, Twelve. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye are, for if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye shall, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify your deeds of the body, ye shall live. What is he talking about? Carrying your cross, dying out to the world, mm -hmm. taking up your cross. Jesus said we have to. Mm -hmm. um, Fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now look at what, you might forsake the world. You may lose a lot of things in this life, but you are a son of God. Now what's greater than that? A son of God is none other than a real Christian that's like Christ. Exactly. The disciples were sons of God. They were called Christians in Antioch because when the Romans saw them, they saw Jesus Christ. Man, they're just like Christ. Look at these Christians. Like, look at these, you know, what do you want to call them? You know, another word. Like when people try and minimize something, like, you know, to something that's big. I don't want to use the word gremlin or minion, but it's kind of like, oh, look at these minions of such and such. Right. Look at them. Look at these Christlings. That's yeah. pretty much what they were thinking. Look at them. Just like him. You know, so this is what a real Christian, a mature Christian is about. Exactly. 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again uh, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So you have the spirit of adoption. You are just like Jesus Christ. Not saying that you are Jesus Christ, but you are like him as a manifested son of God. 16. The spirit itself bears, beareth witness... Uh, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. So the spirit will tell you you're a child of God. Uh, 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So you'll be glorified like Christ. Not that that's your purpose for doing it, but Christ will lift you up. The Father lift the Son up to his right side, Christ will lift you up in front of him, not over him, in front of him. Right. You know, like, come and dine with me. You're worthy. 18. For for a reckon that the 
uh, sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, you know, I have not seen, ear have not heard, you know, uh, or what shall enter into the heart of man, the wonders that the Lord has for his people. This is greater than anything you can receive on earth. Greater than worldly stuff. 19. For the earnest expectations of the creature waiteth uh, for the manifestation of the sons of God. This is what we should be looking for. This is what we want. Right. Uh, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. So the Lord did this first. That's pretty much all they're saying is we're following after him. 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption unto the glorious liberty of the children of God. Look at that. 22. For we know that the whole uh, creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now, what he's talking about here is 1 Corinthians 15. We'll have that video up next week. We did it last week. Uh, it was a teaching called the potter's hand that we did. But um, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about how the stages of coming from a carnal mind, a carnal person, to having the glorified body, which is in Christ. That's the celestial body. Right. This is what we wait and we hope for. Uh, 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he have? Why doth he yet hope for? So this is faith and not seeing. This is the real hope. Mm -hmm. If you see it, then you don't hope. You expect it because you know it exists. Exactly. But when you hope, that's stronger faith. Twenty-five. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray. What we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, you know, a lot of the times in our prayers, you can pray in the Spirit and you can pray in the flesh. Praying in the flesh would be, Lord, give me a nice car. Lord, give me a wife. Lord, give me this. Give me, give me, give me. But, but if the Spirit is, is speaking through you, then you're going to pray for the things that the Spirit tells you are more important. Mm -hmm. Perhaps a car comes with that blessing, but that's not the overall blessing is the car. The blessing is, Lord, give me obedience to serve you. Lord, pray for my I pray for my enemy, Lord, for what they do. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. The Lord will be pleased with that and give you more. That's not the reason for doing it. But the point is, when you pray in the Spirit, it's an unselfish prayer. It's a prayer that the Holy Ghost is telling you, this is important. Exactly. Not stuff for me. But you'll find 90% of church people pray for stuff for them. Forget the world. I need. It's, true. it's funny how it's like when you're a beginner in Christ, and I know because I did this, mm -hmm. you will find yourself starting out praying that way. But mm -hmm. then as, as you have more relationship with Christ and he grooms you, he reveals to you, hey, I know that you need these things, but what about all these other people who are, you know, going Without, through trials and tribulations right. in their life? Pray for them. 
That's and, right. You know, and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it's like that selfishness falls off, mm -hmm. and you have a greater understanding of what to pray for. That's right. All right. Um, Romans uh, eight twenty seven. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what what is the mind of the spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, we were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. You know, your prayers will change. Twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good uh, to them that love God, uh, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That called is ecclesia. That's what that means for church. The church is called according to the purpose of God. Mm -hmm. So you know how Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen? Mm -hmm. Because the called ones are seeking God. Mm -hmm. The chosen, I mean, the, the, um, the ones that are chosen are seeking God. The ones that are called, he's calling everyone. But most people won't answer that call. Why? It's about me. Mm -hmm. What I need. You know, so um, uh, 29. Uh, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might, that he might, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Not that he will, that he might, mm -hmm. if he so chooses, if he's seeking God, exactly. if he's walking in accordance to what Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 is telling you. Yep. Okay, um, 30. Moreover, uh, whom he did predestinate them, he also called, and whom he called uh, them, he also justified, and whom he justified them, he also glorified. Uh, what shall we say then? What shall we then say uh, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? See, God is even about everybody making it. Yeah. That's why. That's where the coaching and encouragement comes from. Because if you go back to thirty-one, they'll think, okay, well, that means that we can't mess it up. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that if He called, then He justifies you. Meaning, like, well, I'm going to give them time. Other other angels or people may say, man, Lord, why didn't you just deal with this guy a long time ago? Well, I see the beginning from the end. I want him to make it. So if you would excuse me, not that he doesn't want anyone to make it, but the Lord gives favor to who he wants. A lot of people felt David shouldn't have been king, but the Lord had a, a plan for David. Exactly. You know, so that's all it means. Um, 32, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for all, for, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, you know, this is the, the heart of God. He loved and he gave. Mm -hmm. He didn't love and receive, you know, or stuff for him. Uh, 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So if God said it's okay, who cares what anyone thinks? Right. But you let the world tell you, you need to be in a seminary in order to teach a study. Says who? Yeah. Show me one place in this Bible. Paul was seminary educator and he was a murderer. Yeah. But what did he do after that? When he found the Lord in Galatians 1, he changed. Yep. And he began to seek the truth in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, let's see, 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 
So, you know, he's still our, our attorney. Right. You know, he's still interceding. And this is why when some people God may be fed up with, Jesus is Lord, Dad, give him another chance. You know, Dad, he's with me. The Father, oh, he's with you, son? Don't even worry about it then. You know, let's proceed. So knowing Jesus Christ is what you want to do. Yeah. That's just like being sentenced to something in jail. You're going to do 150 years. All right? Everybody saw you do it. The judge is getting ready, and the devil is the, what is he? That prosecutor. Yeah. He's sitting there in a three-piece suit. You know, well, yeah, I got all these witnesses. Everybody saw him do it, too. And just when the judge gets ready to come down with that gavel, there's that man in the back of the car. Hold up. <laughs> I paid that price. You know, who are you? I'm Jesus Christ. I paid his debt 2,000 years ago. Now, if you charge him again, you know, then you're going to, um, that's going to be double jeopardy. I paid that price. But that's just like him saying that and you telling him, oh, no, man, I got it. You know, you're about to do 150 years. Right. But, you know, no, man, it's okay. I got it. So you see how your pride can even get in the way of not knowing the Lord and having this. You don't want to meet that faith. Right. Be glad that you know him and he intercedes for you. Absolutely. You don't want to pay that debt. Trust me. You ain't got enough money in your piggy bank. Uh, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now see, you want to know what's in your future? I just read it to you. I mean, and I'm not saying that this is what's going to happen to, to us, but this is what's saying is, one, you die in the flesh. Right. Two, you follow the Lord. A Christian is supposed to be, you know, that word for witness, when they say be a witness for Christ, that's a martyr. Yeah. That means that, and I'm not saying that you're going to die, but the point is, is that even if it meant that, you do the will of the Lord. What did they say? Jesus Christ was obedient unto death, unto death even unto the cross. Mm -hmm. So obedience is something that we have to have no matter what's coming our way. When he says sheep led to the slaughter, everybody hates us. Yeah. I mean, is it not true? Yeah. People hate Christians and things are getting worse. But if we have the Lord, it doesn't matter. Exactly. We are living to live again. We're not living to die and go to hell. We're living to achieve our godly inheritance and move on with the yeah. Lord. Exactly. The people hear that. Hey, hey, maybe being a Christian ain't a good idea. I mean, hey, this is rough. Well, but what's worse? You know, dying once or being in a lake of fire forever. Right. 37. Nay, in all things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, notice Paul said we are more than conquerors. So what does that mean? We have to overcome. This isn't talking about, oh, well, no one's going to pluck you out of this. No one's going to do that. That means if you continue to follow the Lord, no man can. Right. You know, if you're one of his, he's going to take you through this. Right. You know, but he says we are more than conquerors, meaning we have to conquer. Yeah. We have to go above our inheritance or, you know, or live up to it. 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Now, you know, these are ranks of angels, mm -hmm. nor things present, nor things to come. Well, this is a man of real faith. 
He said, yeah. I am persuaded. So every man has to be persuaded of this. Yeah. You have to believe this. Yeah. This isn't something that, oh, well, Paul said it, so Paul said nobody would do it. We ain't talking about Paul. What about you? Right. Do you? Are you persuaded in your heart? Are you persuaded in your spirit? Because in the end, that's all that's going to matter. If it's not, these things that he said that, you know, we will, will, I mean, that we'll cling to or get past, you won't. Why? You don't believe. It's that simple. 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right. So, I mean, that tells you there. It's in Christ that we do these things. One quick point before we close. I do want to read just two verses of uh, Romans 12. So I just want to do two verses of Romans 12 and then we can close out. Because this is how we walk on the right way. We do the right things of God. Um, man, I should just zip right through this. Honestly, like real quick. I know we're running short on time, but I want to just zip right through this unless a key point comes up. But this is how we achieve. Paul just told you in 8, but 12 seals the deal. All right, Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And this is just reasonable service. Yeah. This is the least that you can do for the kingdom of God. Exactly. Okay. Uh, two, be and be not transformed to this world, but by the, I mean, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's the way you do it. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, uh, to think, but to think uh, soberly according to God, uh, have dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we're not supposed to be puffed up in pride. You're supposed to see things soberly, seriously, realistically. Okay, realistically means don't mental assent. Don't give somebody money and think you can walk on water. Don't be proud of how many people you pray for and get puffed up in pride. Because God resists the proud. Verse 4. For as we may, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Um, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the uh, proportion of faith, uh, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, uh, or he that teacheth uh, on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with uh, simplicity, uh, he that ruleth with diligence, he that sheweth mercy with cheerfulness. So, you know, this is one error that I might have had in the past where I might have wanted everyone to eventually teach. I still think it's a good idea, but that doesn't mean that you are a teacher, that you are ordained to do that or you are anointed to. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if it's your calling, there are many gifts. 
You can prophesy. Man, being a prophet is a special office. You and God delivering information to people that God told you, in some ways, that's kind of greater than teaching. Right. Prophecy is the greatest of all. That proves relationship. Mm -hmm. Evangelism is an awesome gift. So you got a lot of pastors. we all supposed to evangelize, but you got a lot of people that have the gift that just want to speak to anybody about Christ. Yeah. You know, I just want to go and do this, and that's what drives you. So the evangelists bring the people to the church, and the teachers teach. You see how everybody's office is? The prophet may hear from God that wants to be, you know, this is what needs to be. Yeah. The apostle comes and checks, keeps things in order. The pastor, he's the father. So, you know, it's kind of like one doing something, bringing people in. The other is a teacher. You know, the one is an evangelist. You know, so it all comes together. So this is what he's saying here. So I'm going to finish real quick and, um, you know, end it. Nine. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So you're not supposed to be separating. That's what dissimulation is. You know, like separating people. Uh, Ten. Be kindly, affection, uh, one to another with brotherly love. And honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So, you know, don't be slothful. Be at it every day. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, uh, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not hide things, but con but condescend to men of low estate. Don't be a respecter of persons. Uh, be not wise in your own conceit. Seek the Lord. 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. So don't be underhanded. Uh, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written. I mean, nor, I mean, but rather give place unto wrath, as it is written. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You're not supposed to be vengeful. 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, uh, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. Mm -hmm. So this is walking in the spirit. Romans 12 covers. Romans 8 tells you you need to, you know, and what the rewards are. Um, I'm not speaking against teaching. I, I hope that everyone does because the Lord ain't just speaking to me or Sarah or anybody else. The Lord speaks to everybody here. Right. Perhaps you got something you want to present that we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. You know, the only point of the fivefold ministry is to perfect the saints. Hopefully, you know, in the Lord that I'm doing my part. If I'm not, then I want the Lord to show me more than I need to do. It's that simple. Right. You know, evangelizing, if we're doing things in the Lord, all offices come together. So we're one body with different gifts. And that's an awesome thing. Exactly. All right, so I know Mikkel may have to go in a few, but um, well, you want to pray out? Yeah. All right. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight humbled before you, 
thanking you for another day that you've given to us. Thanking you for another opportunity that you've given us to come before you, Lord, to seek your truth, to have that willingness to go forward, Lord. And I pray that you will open up our hearts and our souls and our minds, Lord, to be receptive of your word. And I'm thanking you, Lord, for all the things that you are doing for us, for everything that you've done for this ministry. But Lord, I pray that you will build us up. Lord, I pray that we will come to you with everything that's within us. Lord, if there are things that we've placed in front of you, Lord, if, they, if we're still struggling with sin in our lives, Lord, if we're still struggling with unbelief, if we're, whatever we're struggling with, Lord, I pray that we come to you and give it to you so you can take those things away from us, so you can work in our lives, Lord. And I pray that we would be willing, Lord, to be sanctified. I pray that we are willing to give these things up, to be dead to the flesh, to be dead to the world, Lord, so we can be alive in you. And I pray that you will make us a strong people, that you will build us up, Lord, that we will seek to have a relationship with you so we can commune with you, Lord, so we can know that the spiritual gifts are real, Lord. We believe that they're real, but they need to be shown in us. And I pray, Lord, that we do eventually get to that point where we can raise the dead, heal the sick, open the blind eyes, Lord, speak in new tongues. And I pray, Lord, that these things will be wrought in our life. And, Lord, I know that this ministry is coming along. I know that everyone, Lord, wants to draw closer to you. But I pray, Lord, that we will be given into more prayer and fasting. So that flesh can be killed off, Lord, and I pray that we would do it often. Lord, and I pray that you would be with everyone within this ministry, that you would be with them tonight. Martin and Laura, be with Eric and Holly and little Jackson, be with Jake and Mikhail, Lord, and be with, be with Andrew and his mom in their situation. Ryan and Jessica, Chantel, Lord, and continue to be with Derek and everything that he's doing. And I pray that you would be with this conference coming up, Lord, just a few days away, that your will would be done, that you would bless it, Lord. And I'm asking and praying tonight, Lord, that you would give us a filling of the Holy Spirit, that after this conference is over, Lord, that you would light a fire under this ministry, light a fire in our lives, Lord, like no other, that we will go forward and preach and teach the gospel, that whatever you have called us to do, Lord, it will be shown in our lives. If it is being a prophet for the men, if it is being apostle for the men, evangelizing, Lord, all of us, whatever teaching, whatever you want us to do, Lord, whatever you've called us to do, I pray that we will seek you on that, Lord, that we will come before you and seek your guidance in our lives. And I pray that you would give us the spirit of discernment, Lord, to know where you want us to go, who you want us to talk to. Lord, I believe that these things are real, but that veil... Lord, that's keeping us from having a relationship with you. It's got to be torn down. Whatever conditions we've placed on you, Lord, those things, that be, they have to be taken out of the way. And I pray that you would show us, Lord, guide and direct and lead our lives so these things can be done in us. Make us bold, Lord, to not have any fear of loss of job, family, or friends, Lord, because as you were so, my mother and father forsake me, you will take me. And, Lord, that's something that we have to believe in our lives that you will do for us. To have that faith, Lord, that you will take us. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us up, all of us, that we will have the faith to go forward, that no matter what, we will, we will be dead to sin, we will be dead to this world, and be alive in you, Lord. That's the things that we have to understand. And I pray, Lord, that you would build us up. Build us up every day to bring lost souls to you. 
Help us to understand and see the spiritual warfare that's going on around us, that we will take on the full armor of God, because that is our defense against the enemy. Guide and direct and lead us, Lord, into your word, that we can take your truths to others. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.